All right, we looked at some verses here from the first half of Luke 2. We're going to look at the rest of it uh, in this afternoon's message. But Luke chapter 2, of course, is the most famous of the Christmas passages. And I want us to go ahead and read uh, the first seven verses. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And it, one of the famous... Uh, aspects of the Christian story is the fact that Jesus was not able to find a room in the end. Every nativity play that you've ever seen in church has the jerk innkeeper that won't give him a room and makes him stay out in the barn. We've all, we're all familiar with that. And of course, whenever I see that story, I look at that and I think, just imagine what it would have been like to have turned away the Messiah from staying in your inn. People to this day still visit the place where they believe Jesus was born and imagine your hotel would have been in business forever if you would have just said, this is the birthplace of the Messiah. But the thing is, they didn't know. They weren't ready. And while this amazing night that is still reenacted in certain ways, while it is still celebrated, while the things were actually taking place, hardly anyone, but there were some, but most people had no idea what was going on. And the truth is, you know, when God himself came to earth, when God himself lived a life among man, most people missed it. Most people didn't see it coming. And, and we're talking about a people who were looking for a Messiah, who were looking for the coming of the Messiah. Now, folks, when I read that, it causes me to just ask myself, you know what? If people who were looking for the first coming of the Messiah could have missed it, you know, what's to say that we who are looking for the second coming, I'm not saying we're not going, you know, we're going to miss it and like get left behind, but at the same time too, I want to see it coming. I want to be ready for his appearing. And I do believe that it is possible because we do have a lot of scriptures telling us to be ready, telling us to be watching. And so I think we can learn from those who missed the Messiah as well as those who did not miss the Messiah in tonight's message. We're going to look at those who did see it coming, who recognized what was going on, because I want to be that person. But what I want to look at this morning are those who missed it, and why I believe some of the reasons are they might have missed it, because I believe they're the same re- it's the sa- going to be the same thing that causes some people to miss the coming of Christ and to not be prepared and to not be ready. And I do believe, you, even if you're saved, you cannot be ready. You cannot be prepared for the coming of Christ. And so the coming of the Messiah, without a doubt, was the most sought after event for centuries for them as a people. Yet, while it was in the process of happening, not only did many miss it, but even people, when they heard about it, didn't believe it. I mean, we see in the story of the shepherds, they go around there telling everybody about it. But yet, where's the mass of people coming to see this baby? We don't see that taking place at all. Obviously, not everyone believed what was heard. In fact, those who claim to be of Israel today act like this never happened. 
They act like the Messiah didn't come and that they're still waiting for him. And so it's just amazing that a, pe- that a people who, who are supposedly reading Genesis through Malachi can't understand that the Messiah came. It's amazing that they can't even understand that he had to have come back then because there were certain prophecies that had a timeline attached to them about the coming of the Messiah. And that time has come and gone by 2,000 years. So it's, it's, just, it's important we understand that, you know, man can proclaim themselves to be ready. Man can proclaim themselves to be accurate on Bible prophecy and to be right on all these things, but it doesn't necessarily make it so. So the thing is, we, are, we see people who are ready, we, who saw it coming. We see people who didn't, and I believe we can learn some things. And so as people who are looking for the second coming of the Messiah, we want to make sure we don't make the same mistakes that Israel did that caused them to miss so much. And so while there are some things where we can, we can only speculate a little bit, you know, there are some things that the Bible tells us, but I do think probably one of the reasons, and I'm judging this too because of the fact that we tend to repeat history, I think one of the reasons they probably missed the first coming of the Messiah is because they, pro- they obviously paid a lot more attention to the prophecy gurus than they did the actual scriptures themselves. And look what it says in Matthew chapter 2 in verse 4. Because understand, these people were familiar with the Messianic prophecies. They, they knew the scriptures on it. If you ask them, you know, give me some Messianic quotes. Give me some scripture about the coming of the Messiah. They could have done it. And we see here that's exactly what they did. Matthew 2, 4 says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests, talking about Herod, and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where, where Christ should be born. He's like, all right, listen, I'm just the king here. I'm just pretending to be one of you. I'm really an Edomite, but I'm pretending to be a Jew. I'm a puppet king. But you know what? I've heard about another king being born. And I don't want him overthrowing me. I want to know where he was born. Where do the Scriptures say that the Messiah is going to be born? And you know what? They gave an answer. And your answer was right. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So let me ask you folks, were these people right in their response to Herod? They nailed it. And you know what they used? Scripture. They properly used the Scripture as far as figuring out when and, or where the Messiah was going to be born. So my question is, why weren't people waiting for Him? You know, why, why wasn't the people of Bethlehem saying, you know, waiting for this Messiah to be born in Jerusalem? If I was lived in Bethlehem during that time, I'd like to think that I would have been extra nice to any pregnant woman that I saw. Just in case she's carrying the Messiah. Hey, you look like you're coming close to having a baby. You know, I wonder if it's the Messiah. You know, my, my wife, she's always been, you know, she's always been interested in all things pregnancy and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, she's talked about, you know, someday helping like, you know, with midwife stuff and things like that. I would really encourage her to do something like that if we lived in Bethlehem. And I thought, you know, because that'd be cool if you got to deliver the Messiah. You know, you need to try to be involved in everyone's births in this area and just... Just watch for something special. And I like to think that that's what I'd have been doing, but nobody was doing that. Here you've got a woman, great with child, passing through the area, needs a place to stay. Oh, we don't have any room for you. you know, and that, that's pretty sad. 
that the people weren't prepared. And so even these people who had knowledge, they were not, they were not ready. They didn't see it coming, but yet they knew the answer to the trivia question. And I'm afraid that's how we are a lot of times. Like technically, we know the answer that we're supposed to give on certain things. And that's one of the things that can be discouraging too as a pastor sometimes is, you know, you, when it comes to all things biblical, when it comes to all things spiritual, it's one thing to know what to say verbally, but the things of the word of God are also spiritual. And there are some people that are good at repeating back facts, but they clearly don't understand the spirit of anything. And that's always discouraging when you see that because it's like, great, you know, you know, you know the answer to what must I do to be saved. You know, that's, e- that's easy to learn the answer of what must I do to be saved. Because we have a Bible verse that anyone could memorize. But yet some people still can't get a hold of the fact that it is just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. They're missing the spiritual message there. And it's, a, it's really a shame, but it's always been that way. And so while it's okay to speculate on how a prophetic passage will play out, We need to understand that our speculation is not scripture. Because again, while maybe they, so while they obviously understood the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem, they might have thought, well, you know, he's going to come from nobility. And the truth is, he did come from nobility, didn't he? We see in Matthew, his his line was the kingly line. But at the end of the day, during that time, Israel wasn't really in charge. The Romans were in charge. And Joseph was just a lowly carpenter. That was, so the thing is, that wasn't how they expected things to be when the Messiah came. They didn't expect it to be from someone lowly like that. And so because there were just certain things that wasn't according to their speculation, they just missed it completely. And I don't think we realize when it comes to the second coming of Christ, how much involving the second coming is clearly speculation. And it's been speculated on so much, it's been repeated from pulpit so much, that many people think it's just Bible. That certain things are going to happen a certain way, but it's only speculation. We might be wrong. Y'all, y'all understand? I, I get it, we're independent fundamental Baptists, but did you know that some of our speculation might be wrong on things? Did you know that the mark of the beast might not be a microchip? They didn't know what microchips were when Revelation was written. How do we know it was talking about a microchip? What if it's a technology that hasn't even come yet? You know, now I heard it preached from a pulpit, microchip. Uh, that's what I think it'll probably be, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know for sure. It might not be exactly like we think it's going to be. Turn over to Matthew chapter 17, verse 10. Because again, it's okay to speculate. Let's speculate. Let's talk about it. That's how we watch. That's how we... That's how we prepare ourselves. But at the end of the day, our speculation is not Scripture. In Matthew 17, verse 10, it says, And his disciples asked him, saying, when they say to the, or Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall come first and restore all things. They've got, they've got their facts right. They're verbally expressing the correct thing. Elias comes first. But I say unto you, it wasn't exactly as they thought it was going to be. Elias already came. Elias has come already, and they knew him not. But have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. 
So the thing is, if you if they would have been in a Bible trivia contest and somebody would ask them if they'd have been taking a test at their Bible college and if they'd have asked the question, who comes first, Elias or the Messiah? They would have all put on their test, Elias, and they would have been right and they would have passed their test. But you know what? It didn't matter that they understood that fact that they could have answered that trivia question right. When Elias came, they didn't even recognize him and they killed him. Think about that. That's how wrong... They were, when it came to these, they, they were wrong while still being right at the same time. They got a fact right. And isn't it amazing how we as Baptists too, we will fight over some of these facts. I mean, we, I mean, we will just go to war with people over certain facts while sometimes completely missing the spirit of something. That's, that's pretty bad. And you know what we should do when we look at these stories, it ought to cause us to, again, I'm not telling you quit studying. I'm not telling you don't have a position. Don't have an opinion. I'm not telling you that at all. But you know what? Maybe, maybe be a little humble when it comes to it. I'm not, tell, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself here. This is important. And so it's very likely that while they were correct on the coming of the Messiah too, being glorious, because you go back and read those Old Testament scriptures about the coming of the Messiah, they look pretty exciting. They're, they're spoken in a very exciting way. But yet... When the Messiah came, it was not, in, in reality, it was not a glorious thing. I mean, born and, and laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, that's not anything glorious. It was a very humble birth. But at the same time, it was glorious. We look back on that story today, and it is glorious to us, but why is that a glorious story to us? Because we now have knowledge and understanding of what was taking place that day. It was more than just a baby being born in a barn. It was the Son of God being born. It was the Son of God coming to take away the sins of man. And so, because of this spiritual aspect of it that we all get and that we all understand, we look at that with just great happiness and with great joy. But it's because of the spiritual. If all you have is the physical, there's nothing glorious about it it's actually a very humble thing. And so, because again, if they would have known Jesus was the Messiah, I promise you that they'd have made room in the end. How many would you give, you'd give up your room for the Messiah? I mean, good night, of course. Now, you know, we wouldn't give it up for a bum in the street. We wouldn't give it up for just anybody like that. If we were staying in a hotel, uh, if you lost your electricity this week and you had to go stay at a hotel where it was warm, I mean, how many would you give up your room for a stranger? You probably wouldn't. You know why? Because <laughs> you're no different than the people were back then. But again, if you knew it was the Messiah, then, and again, and that's why we need to just treat everybody like Jesus. You know, that, that, and that's another lesson for another day. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid we've allowed prophecy gurus, revelation movies affect our thinking so much that I think a lot of people aren't even going to recognize things that are going to happen before Christ's second coming. I think there's a lot of things people won't even recognize. And I think that includes things like the seals, the mark of the beast, all those things. I think a lot of people aren't going to recognize it because they have an expectation that's just speculation. And again, it's not wrong to speculate. But when our speculation becomes Bible, we've got a problem. We've got people still trying to teach people that when the rapture comes, we're just going to banish and our clothes are going to drop to the ground. We don't see that in the Bible. 
Okay? When, when Christ returns, okay, every eye is going to see him. We are going to shine like the brightness of a firmament. That, that's what the Bible teaches is going to happen when he comes. And then he's going to send his angels and they're going to grab us up and our clothes are going to fall to the ground. They might then at that point. But this, this, this you know, thing of I'm standing here preaching and then just you're watching, you're lost, and then all of a sudden I'm just gone, my clothes drop. That's, that's not what the Bible teaches. And, but yet, you try to tell somebody, show me that in the Bible, and they can't do it. And they'll, they'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but then just read it with them again slowly. Does it say disappear or changed? Changed and disappeared are two different things. So, uh, I understand, though, but that is cemented in people's minds. You know why? Because somebody speculated. Because somebody's like, it's gonna, in a moment, twinkling of an eye. Okay. But again, that's not saying the entire event of Christ's second coming is going to happen in a moment, twinkling of an eye. It's saying that our bodies will be changed into one like his glorious body in a moment, twinkling of an eye. That's what that says. So it's just, somebody got, somebody got some things wrong. Somebody speculated and they didn't think it through. But the problem is it made it into a movie. And then when it got into the movie in the 70s and everybody watched it, it just became Bible at that point. And, you know, we got to watch out for that. It might not look exactly like that. But, boy, try to challenge people on that today and watch them act like you just switched to an ESV. <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm just using the King James. You know, and, I, and I'm not trying to make it fit with a movie. But, I, I, listen, they obviously did, had the same problem back in that day. We see, too, they had too much pride. Let's go ahead and read a little more of the Christmas story in verse 8. It says in verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Upon who? The shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which should be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Who's it talking to? The shepherds. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So notice, nobody was expecting this. Okay? If somebody was going to get a message from an angel, I mean, wouldn't it be somebody of nobility? I mean, it ought to at least be the priests, right? Maybe the high priests, the Levites, the people who do the work of the service of the Lord. But no, who got the message from the angel? Who got a divine revelation that the Messiah was going to be born? Who got, had a sign given to him? It wasn't, it wasn't the religious crowd. It wasn't the nobility. It was the shepherds. Shepherds were always just kind of a lowly people. Shepherds was a humble thing. Remember David's brothers, the way they treated him and just kind of demeaned him? You're just a shepherd. You just keep your father's sheep. Go back and do that. Go back and do your lame job of just being a shepherd, David. And nobody would have expected that when the Messiah came, that heaven would give the message to shepherds. Nobody thought it would take place that way. But yet, that is what God chose to do. God chose the humble. God chose the lowly. God chose the shepherds. They were the ones that got the message. And the Bible tells us that they went and they told everybody about it. But at the same time, people didn't believe them. People didn't follow them. Well, you know, if the king would have told me then, we'd have gone along with it. But you know what? Sometimes God uses the nobodies. And, you know, and we do. We always think 
that, you know, the big revelation, the next big thing, it's going to be revealed by one of the big name preachers. They're going to be the one or some, you know, great leader, somebody who's famous, whatever. You know what? God might want to use a nobody. You know, I think God would be more likely if, if there is some big revelation that we're missing from the Bible prophetically, I think God would be more likely to reveal it through an old godly lady in a church than he would one of these big name preachers that are out there today, these celebrity pastors. I think God would be more likely to use somebody like them. Because you know why? If he uses an old lady, if he uses somebody that's just a, a godly nobody, then you know, you know who's going to follow it? People who are of faith. People who just believe the Bible, people who follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, where we've already got tons of people that are ready to follow celebrities, that are ready to follow the big names and the big shots. So uh, understand, you know, we should, we're not really that surprised by this, but that, this isn't what the Jews that we're looking for exactly. And so again, we understand the coming of Christ was glorious, but we understand it was glorious for spiritual reasons. Physically, this was not so much of a, a glorious thing. I mean, now seeing the multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, that would be pretty glorious. I'd have liked to have seen that. But guess what? Only the shepherds saw it. The nobility didn't see it. The rest of Israel didn't see it. Only the shepherds saw it. And you know, while they all had an expectation of what it would be like when the Messiah came, you know what? They couldn't imagine that their Messiah would have such a humble beginning. Really? guy born in a barn the carpenter's son really that's the messiah that wasn't what they expected they had it in their head it was going to be some other way and i've seen this before too you know and this is aggravating you know where you'll have somebody a baby that's born okay you know and we should always be excited when babies are born right you know everybody's always excited when babies are born but isn't it revolting the way people get when it's like the child of a celebrity you know, or the child is, oh, this person is going to be great. Why? You know what? You know, it's, it's, it's a way of glorifying their parents many times. You know, glorifying a status or something like that. But the truth is, you know, it's about the individual. And we don't know anything about that individual when it's born. We, we don't know what it's capable of. But, you know, in their minds, none of this seemed like greatness to them. But it was great. So you know, they couldn't imagine that the glorious things that did take place, that it would happen amongst nobodies instead of nobility. They, they couldn't imagine that. You know, shepherds, carpenters, you know, lowly people, wise men from the east. God revealed it to them. Why, why isn't he revealing it to the, you know, the scribes? Why isn't he revealing it to the, you know, the priests and things like that in Jerusalem? Wise men from the east... They're not even Jews. Yet they're the ones seeing His star and being led to Christ, to that Messiah. You know what? That's what God chose to do. They had too much pride to consider that, you know what? They just might have some facts wrong or just not know a few things about the Scriptures. All right? We don't like that when somebody acts like, you know, you don't understand or you got this wrong. We don't like being told we're wrong about anything. But you know, in John seven fifty two, it says... They're talking to Jesus. They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. That's what they said. He said, Hey, you can't be anybody special, Jesus. Because you know what? Imagine saying that to Jesus. Show me in the Bible, Jesus. Search and look. Imagine saying that. That's what they said to Christ. All right, that's, 
pretty ignorant right there. But that's exactly what they did. But you know what? It did, it did say that a prophet is going to come out of Galilee. In fact, Isaiah 9.1 says, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and afterward it did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light shined. That right there is a prophecy showing the Messiah was going to do a work in Galilee, but you know what? They missed it. They didn't, I didn't see that one. I mean, we've been there before where we thought we knew something and then somebody showed us up with the Scripture. Sometimes we don't know the Bible as well as we think we do. There's a lot of Scriptures that are difficult that we maybe struggle to understand a little bit. And these people, they were so arrogant even though Jesus Christ is doing all these amazing miracles, they're like, wait a minute. In our prophecy class, it's never said a thing about a prophet coming out of Galilee. And that's where you're from. You're from Nazareth. Therefore, you can't be what you're claiming to be. But no, they were just wrong about the Scriptures. They miss, they miss a prophecy that was very clear. It says in Matthew 4.14 that it might be fulfilled... This is when Jesus is doing miracles in Galilee, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun, the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light is sprung up. Remember last night we talked about that it might be fulfilled. Jesus did that work in Galilee so it would be fulfilled because it was spoken of in the prophets. In fact, that's one of the things He has to do to fulfill the Scripture, he's got to do a work in Galilee, but they just missed it. They missed it. They had Isaiah. They had Isaiah. They had read that passage, but they just, you know, some of those prophetic passages are, are kind of hard. But, you know, they, while they got some, I mean, the Bethlehem one, that was a good find. They nailed that one, but they missed this one. They had it just dead wrong. And you know what? It takes a lot of pride to just not be willing to consider you might have some things wrong takes a lot of pride to, to be that way. Mark 12, 24. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do ye not therefore err? Made a mistake, an error. You got something wrong. We're independent, fundamental Baptists. We ain't got nothing wrong. That's probably their attitude back then. Where are the Jews? Where are the Pharisees? We, we haven't got anything wrong. We're the scribes. We're the ones that make copies of the Scripture. We're the ones that know the Scripture. We're the ones that are preserving the Scripture. You're going to tell us we got an error? Yeah, you got an error. He says, Do you not therefore err because ye know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? You know, they're the ones that said to Jesus, Look and search the Scriptures. And, you know, and they were the ones that didn't even know the Scriptures. He said, You err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. For as the angels which are in heaven, and as touching the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses? Did you ever read that story of Moses? How in the bush God spake in him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. So man, you, you all, you're making a big mistake. To think there's no resurrection, you're making a huge mistake. And you're making this mistake because you don't even know the Scriptures. And folks, okay, and understand, when Jesus says, 
Have ye not read? Without a doubt, they had read the story of Moses and the burning bush. Without a doubt. I mean, that's they know about Moses. They were familiar with that passage, but you know what? They obviously had never just thought about it and pondered it and said, wait a minute. Why would God say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when those guys were dead? You know why? Because again, there is a resurrection. There is a place called heaven. And so just from that, they should have understood that there is a resurrection. There is a spirit. All these things that the Sadducees denied. They had made a great error in scriptures and that error caused them to go to some really bad places, doctrinally speaking. So we also understand too, they had such a poor understanding of the law that they had no idea that the Messiah would have to live a sinless life according to the law in order to be able, even be able to be their Savior. Look what it says in Luke chapter 2 in verse 21. Because think about this. What is it that God has cursed? The law. Remember what he said in, what it said in Deuteronomy? Cursed is he that continueth not in all things of the law to do them. Paul quoted that in Galatians. So if we have been cursed by the law, if we have been condemned by the law, it does make sense. They should have understood that in order for someone to be redeemed or to be able to redeem others from the law, that they would have to keep the law, that they would have to submit themselves to the law. They should have understood these things, but they didn't understand them. And notice what it says in Luke 2, verse 21. It says, and when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus which was so named to the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Did you know that in order for Jesus to be the Messiah, he had to be circumcised on the eighth day? That had to happen. You know why? Because if you weren't circumcised, you were cut off as a people. You, you were condemned under the law. The law states you must be circumcised on the eighth day. This is, and this, you know what? This says a lot about the parents that God chose for Jesus because Jesus couldn't do this himself. He was just a baby. His parents had to take him to do this. It says in verse 22, And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished. These are the things she needs to do too. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I guess that's where the two turtle doves from the 12 days of Christmas come from. I don't know where the you know, French hens and all that come from. But two turtle doves, there's some Bible for that. But that offering was a requirement for all of them to do when they had their firstborn son. They are doing all these things according to the law. Now we read these stories. This is not an exciting part of the story for us. We like the part about the angels. We like the part about the wise men. We like the part about the star. We like all those cool things in the story. But do you understand that it's the law that condemned man and the Messiah must fulfill the law. And so him being circumcised, his parents bringing this offering, all of these things are more important than we realize. All these things are being done that it might be fulfilled. And he, these are absolutely necessary things that he got done. But you know what? Somehow, 
The Jews missed that. Now, can you think of why they might have missed the fact that the Messiah would need to come and live a perfect, sinless life according to the law? I can, one reason I can think of why they might have missed that is because these people thought they were doing okay themselves with the law. That was their whole problem. Whenever John the Baptist came and he's preaching repentance to them, when he's calling them out for their sins, when he's calling them a generation of vipers, when Jesus is preaching repentance to them, when Jesus calls them out for their sins, they're like, where's our sin? We're following the law. And then Jesus is showing them how their traditions were even causing them to violate the law of God. You've got the one man that comes to him thinking, I've kept all the commandments. And Jesus said, go and sell all that you have. Turn out this guy loved his possessions more than he even loved God, breaking the greatest of all the commandments. But they didn't see that. They didn't see themselves in that way. These self-righteous people couldn't see the fact that they needed a Savior because the law was condemning all of them. They should have been able to look at the Scriptures and understand, listen, we've messed up big time. We're going to keep following God the best of our ability, but we need a Messiah who will come and do all these things that we couldn't do. So He can make the payment for sin. They missed it. So it turned out there, were, there was a whole lot of things that needed to be done before the Messiah could make His appearance. I believe that's why He waited 30 years. He had to prove that He could live a life without sin. And He lived a life without sin. He grew up. He became a man without sin. And finally, He presented Himself to Israel and did miracles continued doing right, but yet still was condemned by the people. And, and what, a, what an amazing story that is. But their misunderstanding or ignorance of the Scripture, it didn't make the Word of God false. Okay? Again, they're claiming, this is the way things have to be. But the truth is, no. You know, the Scripture... So you demand or claiming boldly loudly that the bible says something's going to take place a certain way doesn't mean it has to take place that way you might just have things wrong oh i know what's going to happen this way or you're calling god a liar no i'm calling you ignorant of the scriptures i'm just saying you might have some things wrong and i hate when people do that challenge me on my position you're calling god a liar oh we're not calling god a liar we're just saying, we think, we think you got some things wrong. And people are always making these extra biblical claims about prophecy that just aren't true. Next thing on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. Are you sure about that? Uh, are you really sure about that? Were they saying that before 1948? Because you all said that was a of prophecy. You know, you sure all this stuff with Putin and Ukraine, you know, you're acting like that's fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Are you sure it's the next thing on God's prophetic calendar? Are, are you really sure about that? But they'll, they'll, they'll just make these claims. I, I made that video this week about the Eastern Gate. People are saying, one of these days that's going to be opened up. And that sign of the Messiah is coming through. Are, are you sure about that? So are, is the rapture imminent when the gate hasn't been opened yet? If, if, so if they do open the gate, and then you tell us that was a fulfillment of prophecy. How about this red heifer stuff? Everybody keeps saying the red heifer. That's a fulfillment of prophecy. How? I thought the next thing on God's prophetic calendar was the rapture. And now you're telling me that another prophecy was fulfilled before that? Are you really sure you got your prophecy right? Or are you just speculating? Why don't they just say, I believe. I believe, in my opinion, the next thing on God's prophetic calendar. You know, if, if they want to put it that way, okay, you know, that's fine. 
Just but don't declare it Bible. If you do that, and then all of a sudden some things start happening and you had some things wrong, you might have too much pride to admit you had it wrong. And sometimes we need a change and people don't want to change. And that's not good. But you know, so but Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come, they didn't understand when that was. God understood what it was. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Everything Jesus did, the way everything happened with Jesus, was done according to the law. Yet, the people who claimed to be you know, the ones who had the law, knew the law, were following the law, didn't see any of it coming. They missed, they missed the whole thing. And their, so their misunderstanding, again, it didn't make the Word of God an unaffected. So when you look at how wrong everyone was about Christ's first coming, it's easy to wonder, you know, if we have the slightest clue about what's to come. You know, the truth is that, you know, it, it is possible for us to make some of the same mistakes that they made. You know, and it is, it's, so it's possible because many, they just didn't understand some of the things that they were actually seeing. And what we need to do, some, just some quick things, and I'm going to, I'm going to preach a whole message more specific on this. What we can do to be ready for Christ's coming is first off, have some humility when it comes to holding a position on what is to come. All right, just don't get arrogant about it. Arrogant makes you stupid faster than anything that there is. God hates pride. He's not going to help you out. Also, maintain a walk with God and follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. If you think that you're going to know what's going on, you're going to be ready for what's to come, when you're not even having a walk with God, you've got another thing coming. You better stay right with God. Be as familiar as you possibly can with the varying doctrinal positions, but mainly focus on the Scriptures. What does the Scripture say? Not how do I think that Scripture is going to play out, what does it say? Focus on the words of God. Learn them. Memorize them. Meditate on them. Don't lock yourself into a, into a position on how that's going to play out. But know the Scriptures, and I believe when it happens, you'll get it. And so do more watching and less talking. Again, don't lock yourself into that foolish position. You know, and have faith in all areas. Be a person of faith. You're going to have to have faith in order to get these things right. And so... In the next message, we're going to look at some people who did get it. We're, we're, we're going to see some people who they saw Jesus, they understood who he was, while the rest of the country is just going on their way. They have no clue what's going on. And the Bible tells us things about these people. The Bible tells us some, some traits that are in these people that God wants from us. And I believe if we will have those things, that that is the key to being ready. That is the key to getting things right. And you know what? I hope my motivation is right. It might not be, but I like being right. And you know what? Even if that, if, if, if it is a little bit of pride that makes me want to be right, if that motivates me to get some things right in my life, you know, I guess that's, that's a, a win. So with that, let's go ahead and close the word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this wonderful story that you've given us. And Lord... I thank you for being willing and obedient to the Father and coming to this earth uh, to live uh, a humble and a, a difficult life 
and to pay, be willing to just pay for our sins. What an amazing thing that is. Help us to not forget that this time of year. Help us not get so caught up in all the things that are associated with Christmas that we uh, lose sight of that. We're, we're so thankful for what you did for us. Pray, uh, bless the service coming up later this afternoon. In your name we pray. Amen.